welcome to Crying in the Book Club, the hit new podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them emotional. I am Emily. I am your host, and I am here with my co-host, John Luke. Hello. That's me. Hello. And Alex. Hi, Alex. You think if um, Frank Miller ever finishes uh, Batman, um, All-Star Batman and Robin, he'll have a scene where Robin goes, holy terror, Batman? Just as a little in-joke, a little, a little branding. We can't little, do this again. A little wink and a nod. We can't do this again. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We nice. are here to talk about uh, the controversial genderqueer <laughs> by uh, Maya Kobabe. And um, yeah, guys, how are we? How are you doing today? Like before we... Before we it really in. did sound, I you know, I was making the, the the Frank Miller Holy Terror jokes, and you went right into like the controversial banned book, and it's like, oh, she's good, Holy Terror. There we go. No, it's not there. quite yet, and I'm not fucking hosting that episode. We'll get Frank Miller on the show to, <laughs> to host that up, uh, but doing well. Excited to to talk comics. Uh, me and Jean Luc were playing uh, Halo earlier, and I was like, Jean Luc, we get to do a podcast today, and he's like, right, chum. And, uh, yeah, that's just are. how he talks. That's a really good impression. It's true. He's always saying that. You you, yeah. you should just do my lines for the rest of the episode. Okay. I'll send you my script of everything I have wanted to say, and you can just read it in, in my voice and the way you think I would say it. Here's what we're going to do is we're going to record this episode, and then uh, some John Luke, you can edit uh, you can edit together the the raw audio. Alex will take that audio and recite it in a separate track, and then we just replace your audio with Alex. So it's me and Alex and Alex. Wow. Two paychecks. You you don't even have to write a script. You can just talk, and then Alex has to say whatever you said. Well, I I could also just run it through a transcribing tool, and then Alex could just read it off. We could just use chat GPT to generate a uh, dialogue that John Luke might say. You know what? I do love, I do love chat GPT, but I like Chad GPT more. Chad, welcome to the show. Oh man, that would have been a really good uh, intro. <laughs> Next but... time we have him on, we should do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad GPT. I love that. Wow. Anyway, okay. <laughs> we should actually get into the topic. Uh, we are talking about gender queer. Um, this was, uh, as I said in the last episode, this was going to be one of our Pride Month episodes, but then Nimona decided to come out during Pride Month. So, uh, it has been bumped to 4th of July, I believe, is what- America! I mean, it's coming out after 4th of July, but yeah, like it's, you know, we're celebrating America by reading the most banned book in America was the idea for the branding of the episode. Yes, and uh, that's an idea that I'm excited about. And I, uh, spoiler alert: the fact that this is a this is such a challenged book is uh, extremely fucking funny to me uh, in a lot of ways. And I'm I'm excited to get into it. Uh, this book was published in 2019 by Lion Forge and is now being published by Oni Press following the merger. Uh, Genderqueer is Maya Kobabe's story about air experience coming to terms with air gender identity and eventually coming out as non-binary. Kobabe uses spivak pronouns, which are uh, E, M, and air, 
and uh i will do my best to not fuck those up i don't at this time know anybody who uses those so using them is still uh new to me but i you know we're, well, we're all trying our best. if you use if you use them once you're doing a better job than wikipedia which does not use them a single time oh my god are you serious yeah, I, well, yeah. I, it actually confused me because I was doing research before and Wikipedia uses they, them pronouns. But then I, like, looked at uh, Kobabe's Twitter and the the Spivak pronouns were there. And I'm like, oh, I wonder well, if this is outdated, the... but it's it's in the book. Well, yeah. I hadn't read the book at that point. Oh. but okay, fair. I, <laughs> I, I hadn't actually read the book at that okay. point. So I, but yeah, no, the Wikipedia, I, I don't know if it's, like, a policy that they don't use, like, other pronouns but it's dumb if that is the policy that they have i I have no idea i was i was just surprised to hear that i guess but um neither here nor there i guess um genderqueer began as a series of black and white comics in 2016 used by maya kobabe to explore slash explain air gender identity by the way i would like to give a shout out to uh number one ally john luke for uh doing the notes for this episode uh because i was very busy you are forgiven for the homophobia of the last episode but i am looking forward to the uh, homophobia you will perpetrate in this episode what was the homophobia of last episode it was all of the times you guys brought up suicide squad if you (laughs) alex you're not forgiven yet so you're still you're still canceled I'm gonna but, keep digging and hope it comes out. You know the other you know, the other side. The problem is, genderqueer didn't win any Eisners, which, as we established, are the Oscars of comics. So it does true. have nothing in common with Suicide Squad, as yeah. far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's no reason to. It would just be immature to you know bring it up on this episode because yeah. there's no actual like you know yeah. there's no correlation between whether them. it's Suicide Squad by um by. By David Ayer or Suicide The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. It would be bad to bring those up during this episode. Yeah, yeah which is why we're be, not, we won't do really it. Bad. No, we wouldn't. Uh, amid a wave of anti-LGBT backlash, genderqueer was named by the American Library Association as the most challenged book in 2021 and 2022, being specifically cited by notable... <laughs> Notable dipshit Glenn Youngkin in the 2021 Virginia gubernatorial race. What a sentence. What a sentence. The book That's was- how I know you didn't actually read the notes no, before. Look, I, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I skimmed over them. I just didn't like I like I didn't parse every single word. So like it I didn't actually stop on that part. I was just like, yeah, this is like, you know, interested biographical information. I really when I looked at the notes, I was focused more on the discussion questions because I felt like that was the place that I was actually gonna be able to contribute. Uh yeah. that, you know, the the facts of the matter, you know, we can both copy from Wikipedia. <laughs> But Wikipedia didn't call Glenn Youngkin a notable dipshit. Those no, are that my was, <laughs> no, that was your editorializing that I support. <laughs> uh, the book was also challenged in Australia and their government censorship board. They don't call it that, but that's basically what it is. Gave it a mature, not recommended for readers under 15 years rating. That's so fucking stupid. Which ironically is actually younger than Kobabe's intended audience, which A described as being 16 plus. I, I just Australia, like, even more... Like, Australia is more woke. 
Australia yeah. is like further on the woke scale. Like Maya Kobabe was like, this book really, you know, maybe it's not appropriate for people under 16. And Australia was like, nah, 15 year olds. Come on. You gotta give this to every 15 year old in the country. Genderqueer has won multiple awards from the American Library Association, the Stonewall Honor, self-explanatory, and the Alex Award, recognizing books with crossover appeal, but no Iser, and thus it is not as good as Why the Last Man. So I like this book, which is why I gave it the award, but no Eisner. So uh, Genderqueer follows Mayo Kababe through air childhood, adolescence, and young adulthood in the 90s and 2000s. A mostly tells the story linearly, beginning with discomfort around gender roles as a child, experiencing and being incredibly uncomfortable with puberty, questioning air sexuality throughout high school, A eventually comes out as asexual, striking out on their own in undergrad and grad school, eventually coming to terms with air gender and coming out to air parents and ending with air discomfort and uncertainty around how to present and explain air gender as an adult. Some key moments include air experiences trying to date and be intimate, joining air high school's queer straight alliance club, having air first period, uh, tracking the books A read during childhood and adolescence, joining a drama club, buying underwear, air pap smears, in particular air discomfort about them. I have thoughts about that. And uh, interacting with other queer people throughout air life. So that's genderqueer. Uh, it's a pretty breezy read. Like it is, uh, as previously stated, the same length as uh fun home which we just did but it like there's less there's less comic per page and i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like the the panels the presentation like there there's less detail per page so it uh i was expecting these books to take the basically the same amount of time and um no it it really this i i fucking like skipped on through this but not in not in a bad way um you can tell it was original like you can tell parts of it were originally made for like social media because they're written very snappily and almost like there's parts of it where it's like oh this is like an infographic that just like got put into the comics so you can tell that that was like originally for social media which i think you can see how that would make it like a you know quicker read some of it a little more uh deliberately infographic yeah um, yeah definitely in my opinion Mm -hmm. but um yeah so none of us had read this before uh but were either of you familiar with genderqueer or any of kobabe's other comics work uh i personally was not until this book became controversial. That's, I mean, that that's how I heard of it. I assume that's how you guys heard of it. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking crazy because this book had a 5,000 copy print run when it, when it was released, like, and then it just became this huge, like culture war, like, 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 like wedge issue for a book that there were 5,000 copies of. And now it like, and you know, now there are way more than that. (laughs) 
probably in large part because everyone freaked out about it. Well, not everybody, but because like some, you know, because a vocal group of people freaked out about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know I probably like, I mean, I would have bought this book if I had heard about it, but I don't even know that I would have specifically heard about this book except for the controversy, you know? Like, I may have heard about it eventually, but, like... I, I can probably count the amount of Lion Forge books I know about on, like, <laughs> one hand, so... Gail Simone did... A, she she was she was doing an imprint at Lion Forge. Yeah, she did an imprint at Lion Forge. I, I, like, I'm not... And that's no, no, no shade at Lion Forge. It's just, like, it's a very indie publisher. Uh, I mean, once they were acquired by Oni, I guess they're... A, bigger but like oni even is pretty small yeah oni is small like i would say i probably can think of more oni comics than lion oh totally still, yeah even yeah 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 but i uh, know like it, it had a really small profile and then i guess one of those five thousand copies made it into a library and mm-hmm. you know someone read it and oh boy and we all know kind of how that went but yeah no i i wasn't familiar like at all with this until like 2021 really and now you know obviously and i yeah. I, i'm not familiar with kobabi's other work either like i i hadn't really uh i hadn't really heard of him at all before genderqueer started getting banned even yeah. though like i was like i i looked i like was scrolling through their bibliography on wikipedia and like there are actually like quite a few Here. books that hey, oh sorry yeah uh there's actually quite a few th- they actually have like quite a few books, mm-hmm. uh, so or or it, like it works that they've appeared in anthologies, stuff like that. So, but I I was not familiar with them at all before. Yeah, uh, me me either. <laughs> Alex, well, I, I assume this shame is on you. you, shame on you too. You guys don't even read comics. You guys don't know the scene. No. Nope. Uh, yeah, no. I I only heard about the controversy. Uh, like 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 y'all did, and uh, reading the book, it's like. I was expecting, like, you don't know, murder and like rape and like I don't know. That's actually really. I would I would like to know based on the controversy what the two of you were kind of expecting. I thought there'd be more Satan in it. I thought it'd be more like, oh, uh, you know what, burn burn your Bibles or something. Um, I, no, but like really, it. I guess it was. On one hand, it was like, or it is like, um, reading the book, and it's like well there's nothing in it that's like thing but like when you look at the people who are banning it it's like okay well no i i get that but i i was just wondering like just based on the fact that it was controversial like you you expected there to be you know like what you said like satan worship no i don't know it was I, going from going from fun home which was a little a little darker and in, in stuff like that mm-hmm. a little more um you know it f- felt a little more mature in in what it was going for i expected a similar yeah. tone in this one and then what what it got was like just such a you know this person's life and them their air coming to um terms with air sexuality and all that and it's Mm -hmm. like it was like a nice a nice story of that and it was like not really what i expected but also i don't know what i expected it's just when you have a book and it's like this is the most banned book in america you're like well impress me impress me with with why you're banned and it's like well kind of weak kind of weak uh yeah yeah if you were gonna be this band you should have done way more like epic shit in the book that's what i'm thinking see here's the thing um with me and 
I say this with all of the love in my heart. Bigots want to ban this book for like transphobic reasons, but they should be wanting to ban it because it's cringe. Oh, thank God I wasn't the one who had to say it. I was wondering. Here's the thing. I'm allowed to say say this. You guys are on thin ice, but I, look, I'm not going to lie. Like, I I did not dislike this book by any means. I, I enjoyed my time with this book. But it also is just, like, the actual text of it is just so uncontroversial. But also, like, I I think Kobabe might be, like, a few years older than me. But, like, we were in, like, the same Tumblr trenches, so to speak, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of you in this book, Emily. There's, well, here's the thing. Like, it's actually, there's not a lot of me in this book. But there is a lot of, like things that are very adjacent to me sure and there's a lot of behavior that is like me but like the the specific the specifics are different yeah well and and whatnot a, a, a lot of them are are not things that i i necessarily well i mean maybe not a, i have i was keeping like a running list on my phone of because i i mentioned in the group chat that there was sort of a an emotional roller coaster with the reference the, the media references in this book all yeah. i'm gonna say is that if i wrote one direction porn in my 20s you could guantanamo torturers would not john luke get that out of me john luke i literally i have a i have like a private twitter account and i literally made that i said like if i said that if i read or wrote one direction rpf real person fan fiction you could not get that out of me at gunpoint like, no there is no like Ron DeSantis could not force feed me enough no. in Gitmo no. to I get love, that out of me. I love it that part. Not, it would I love not that part happen. of the book. Well, we'll, and, we'll get there for sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. Just like, yeah, you could not get that out of me at gunpoint for real. Just, but like in, in terms of being, I guess, adjacent to stuff, um, just talking about like Sherlock and like supernatural and all these things that I knew people in my life in high school loved oh, and yeah. watched and just like to such an extreme. And then just hearing, you know, um it, it being talked about is just like yeah it, it's a weird it was, feeling i mean there, I there's a lot of harry potter in this book which like i get whatever like i also up until like 2018 was still like pretty like i wasn't like crazy about harry potter but i was still like i had like a a, a platonic relationship with the harry potter franchise but uh also, like, there's, okay, so I was, I was keeping a list, uh, they talk about Supernatural, specifically Sam and Dean shipping, which, uh... Are those the brothers? They are the brothers. Yep. Um, there's Merlin, which, Supernatural I did not watch, Merlin I did not watch, um, I never got into One Direction, um, Johnny Weir is a really funny poll because I had a friend that really liked John. Johnny Weir was like really popular on Tumblr because he looks like Tom Hilston as Loki, but as like a figure skater. So like the Tumblr girlies were all over that one. Um, oh, interesting. 
there the uh going right for i i also mentioned this in our group chat but going right from talking about fun home which i did not know was going to be referenced in this book uh so that was like a delight for me uh to to come across that i was like oh it's it's all connected but uh going going from fun home to talking about Ojo's sex toy, which I, I mean, I get Ojo's sex toy is fine, I guess, but I don't really like it, and I find it kind of, I find it and Erica Moen kind of annoying. Uh, I, I I read Ojo's sex toy once in high school for like twenty minutes and thought that was the lamest shit I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah, and similarly, you could not torture that kind of shit out of me at Gitmo. Like I would not put that on the internet. But, you know, good for people who can. I I get that, like, it was... It's fine, but... I love that you reference... No, no, you go. No, I just love that Jean-Luc references Guantanamo Bay so much that he calls it Gitmo. That's it. That's that's the whole... Everyone calls it Gitmo. That's like... Yeah, that's like a common thing in America. Weird country, guys. Yeah, weird country, I will admit. Indeed. uh, But yeah... Yeah, we banned this book. Like, it... I yeah I I don't uh, I don't love Erica Moen so uh, it was sort of like a an Ojoy sex toy uh, jump scare for me uh, <laughs> to to turn to that page. Um, a lot of when Air going through like all the books that they or that A were reading, uh, the the amount of clamp manga I don't know like this probably is just is way out of you guys' depth but clamp did like card capture Sakura and like a whole bunch of uh. Like it's all just like real, like really pretty people with like really long limbs who are like vaguely homoerotic all of the time, and just seeing all of the clamp manga on air reading list was very validating uh, for my my history as a queer teen. The and- the only manga that is referenced in this book that I even recognized was Inuyasha because it made me think of Chad. There's also Full Metal Alchemist, which I never heard of it. <laughs> well, I have heard of it. Okay, like, I was I gonna say. I don't like. I don't really know what it's what the deal is. I think okay, is, is that I the one with the it. is that the one with the like white dog that someone that they like that his daughter gets transformed into like this big. It's in the ocean. Yeah. Okay, that is in Full Metal Alchemist, but that's not like what the show is about. That's just like one episode. Two that brothers. Is- that's, it's just one episode that's been memed to hell. But anyway, uh Well that's why I know about it. No, I just would I just would have been surprised if you had literally never heard of it. It was No, no, I I have heard of it. I okay. just don't but, know what it is. But yeah, um also Gravitation was listed, which Gravitation was like a really popular Yaoi manga back in the day that I and and uh anime. And I've never watched or read it, but uh I have I have known people that liked Gravitation back in the day and it was like a big deal. So I had a good chuckle at seeing that. And also there's a reference to the Adventure Zone when uh when Maya is going out shopping for new clothes and uh, says that uh, A only wants to wear stuff that uh, Taco would wear, which I mean that's fair. I cosplayed Taco Adventure Zone uh, at a at a comic at an anime convention once. That was like that was 2017, I think. But, so what I'm hearing is uh, you doth protest too much when it comes to being compared to. No, here's the thing. 
most of these fandoms I just said I was not actually into, except for like that last one. And I like Fun Home and uh, I like some of the Clamp manga. But most of those other things, no. It's just the it's just the adjacency of it. Yeah, it is, and I and I can and I can cop to that. Like it, I can see why you would see this and be like, ah, that reminds me of Emily. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it did remind me of Emily. Uh, I, I will say to, to go back to like your original question that like, yeah. this is more or less what I expected the book to be. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting it to be anything like really insane because that stuff is so marginal that it like, nobody really cares about it. And also like I spent a year doing like oppo research on going to like m- meetings of like concerned moms for America or like groups called like called shit like that. Uh, and all they talked about was like, have you seen like the like comics they're giving our kids? Like literally just sounds sounding like some 1950s like psychologist, like telling people that Batman's Batman and Robin are fucking off screen. Like it's Bring the, us back. N- Scott Snyder's Batman. Not not this stuff. Uh, so I, this is more or less what I thought the book was going to be. Um, I have also seen like panels from this book that I didn't realize were from this book. Like there's that bit where it, towards, towards the end uh, where a describes uh, a psychology course that they were in or a psychology lecture they went to where the speaker explains like, Oh, you know, like it's at like some people like don't actually feel like comfortable with their, with the gender they're assigned. That was uh, when, when I was referring to things that feel more specifically like infographics, that whole chapter, I I have to admit my eyes kind of glazed over, but I also like did gender studies in college. So a lot of it was stuff that I already knew, but uh, yeah, that now you have green hair and pronouns. So it, I had the green hair first, but I, the pronouns did come after. So you're you're right about that. Well, you did have pronouns before that, though. So. I guess I did have. Um, well, actually, I did have some um, pronouns. I meant the additional pronouns, but uh, but yeah, I yeah that that section was unfortunate. Like, I feel like it's important to have that there because of the target demographic of this book. But I, it just kind of made my eyes glaze over. So what's interesting is I actually really liked that stuff. Like those were the parts of the book that I liked the best. Not surprised by that actually. Um, and, and not just like the like academic stuff necessarily, but like there are other moments that are like that where I think the way that Kobabe uses the medium is actually really cool. Yeah. Like in ways happen. that's, yeah, I, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I was like, just like, to do more than just like tell air story. Like they're, they actually use the medium in, in some cool ways. Cause like, I think that making, there is value in making stuff like that. That's like super digestible and easy to read and easy to look at and understand for, you know, normies, I guess, who aren't really aware of that stuff. Um, But even like beyond that, like there's stuff earlier in the book that is like, I, I wouldn't call it infographics, but it's just other like, oh, like this is just a fun way to use comics in ways that like, you know, are more than just we're going to caption the the more than just like what a lot of autobio stuff is and what I critiqued Fun Home for last episode that are just like we're going to do a bunch of like captions and 
uh, panels just, and the captions yeah. describe the panels and, you know, vice versa. It, it feels something that is like best, best told in a graphic novel space. Like it's, it's made for it. it. It takes fun things. It does, you know, there are, there are pages or sometimes, you know, multiple ones in a row where it's like, Oh, panels, panels, panels. But I'd say like, that's rare in this book where it's a, a, a lot of full page spreads, a lot of like, you know, twisting and turning. And Well, I even had, uh, I had panel view turned off while reading this because it just felt like more natural to read it uh, just like page by page. I imagine panel view, especially on like comiXology or something would be, would have a really hard time with this book. It wasn't like, I started off with the panel view and it wasn't that bad, but it's just, you know, like sometimes there's only two panels in a page. So like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. You want to get the, the full context. And I mean, I think the fun home reference is actually like one of my favorite literary pulls in this because like it's drawn like fun home. No, no, that, that has nothing to do with it. Like I like Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, Fair. I would, but I was just busting your balls. Yeah, no, but, but like Kobabe literally draws it like fun home, right? Like this book is like full colored and then a switch over to like the like blue and white, Mm-hmm. like color scheme of fun home for like a page and it's cool yeah. like that's like a cool use of the medium because it's evocative of like something else uh like visually evocative of something else so i like stuff like that yeah similarly to fun home which gets an explicit and fun reference in this book as we just mentioned a lot of kobabe's story deals with the books and comics a read during air adolescence how do you think those references contribute to understanding kobabe's journey I, uh, I like, even though, as I mentioned, a lot of these things that A were into were not necessarily things that I was into, but I like knew people who were, I was like, I was adjacent to these spaces. So like, it really, it actually did kind of work on me on an emotional level, like kind of bringing me there because like that's an experience that I had to begin with. So like it was even though, like I said, uh, I think the A are, the A are, uh, air older than me because A were in like grad school when I was, uh, going through that stuff, which I would have been in like just my undergrad, but, uh, regardless, like a lot of the, the literary references, like, because I had context for them, uh, really like helped kind of fill out, the uh emotional space of the book for me if that makes sense uh so i'm interested in how that did or did not work for the two of you it was definitely more than in than in fun home stuff that i recognized and i mean like we've been talking about some of the stuff i recognized was like the tv shows that they're watching or you know people writing one direction fan fic fix and like i i just love that that scene in, in the book where it's like oh and delightful even like I said, you could not get out of that out of me at gunpoint. But like it well, is well, like the reason that Kobabe like kissed the first person, you know, th- that air kissed was to do research for a One Direction fanfic, and that's just like that's hilarious. It's like such a funny moment. I do admire like putting a lot of effort into fan fiction. That's fair. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you, you you've been known to do that. You've you know, Captain Kennedy. I have never put effort into a single fan fiction I've written. Um, but like, there is something like really impressive to me about like the idea of like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do all this research for fanfic when I have, you have like no chance of like getting anything out of it except your own personal satisfaction. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the point. No, I know. Like that's what's like, it's almost selfless. Uh, 
you know, my thoughts on like RPF aside, like it is very impressive to. Yeah, we're not. I I'm not interested in. Uh, yeah, I'm talking not about the ethics of that either. Like that's just not really relevant to this. Yeah, no, not at all. I I was. It's actually funny because I I mostly wrote that question there because I was curious what you thought, Emily. Because I sure. did pick up that you were closer to Air Age and like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Most of these, like, like in Fun Home, like, I felt like the references were less specific, even though, like, obviously they are specific to Bechdel's life. Yeah. Um, But, like, they're things that, like, I feel like, and this might just be me being horrendously out of touch with, like, what actual people are into, but, like, I recognized more stuff there, whereas this is, like, oh, yeah, I, like, vaguely got that, like, oh, I guess A were on Tumblr a lot. But, like, that was the only, like, I... It, it, it confused me a lot of the, the references were just like went over my head a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. It, it does not surprise me at all that you and Alex had sort of opposite uh, reactions to the references in these two books, uh, because that's just very, uh, if I had to guess, that's how I would have guessed that that would go. Uh, but yeah, no, I, like I said, uh, it really put me in like that, that headspace and like, that era of the internet and like the way people interacted with media and like i mean i'm constantly talking about shipping because like my brain is poisoned and that's uh all i can emotionally attach to but like i don't know like i i can relate to the experience of like uh discovering your sexuality through shipping or like exploring your sexuality through shipping even though that's not really how it happened <laughs> that's not really how it happened for me shockingly i just like realized uh like i had uh a friend who i had a crush on but did not realize i had a crush on who then said that they had a crush on me and i was like oh uh thanks but i'm straight and then like the next day i was like i think that may <laughs> not have been true wait actually. a minute <laughs> Just the Spongebob, like, two hours later. Yeah, literally, literally, I was like, I don't know that that was true, actually. And I think I may have just said that because I felt like that's what I was supposed to say. But anyway, so, yeah, like... I, I mean, that does kind of happen in this book, though, right? Yeah, like, the yeah, whole thing also, where, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there's, like, that scene where Aaron... Well, Aaron's still in high school and someone asks, asks him out. And it's the same thing where, like what they say to them is like what you would, you know, sort of be expected, socially expected to say. And then like the next bit of the book is the realization that like, Oh fuck, I don't actually feel that way at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Which I think like, even though like you have, like there are parts of this book that I feel like are very specific to a certain type of like online culture. And to be fair, like, I think probably a lot of, I, I don't know, like, I think probably a lot of queer people had that similar experience, but, like, some of those things probably are way more universal, like, things like that are more universal than just, like, the pop culture stuff, like, in the, the, the like, that era of, like, early internet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, shipping and stuff. Not that that doesn't exist anymore, I just, like, I, I'm not convinced there are people who use AO3 under the age of, like, 24, Ah, no, that's, no, that's absolutely not true. Uh, I applaud you for your ability to dodge, like, 13-year-olds in fandom (laughs) online. I do my best. And and you should, and I also do my best, but sometimes, uh, 
sometimes I end up seeing things for seeing opinions from people and I hover over their profile and it turns out that they are like 16 or younger. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna. We were talking about succession before the show. And there was like, there was a viral succession tweet like last week and like people just were just shitting all over it. And then you go to the person's profile and they're like, yeah, I'm 15. It's like, Oh, you're just stupid. Like, I don't care what you think. Yeah, I, I, I can almost immediately tell at this point uh, what like, the relative age of any uh, succession poster that I see <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I, I've honed it as a skill at this point. But yeah, I, um, I feel like this, a lot of like this experience would actually ring really true with the target demographic, which is, uh, okay. you know, queer teenagers people uh you know maybe they're not reading fan fiction but like there's a lot of that that exists on tiktok there's a lot of you know like those po i'm gonna sound so fucking old but like those pov videos and like people like they like there there is essentially like fan fiction on tiktok in in a way you say you're going to sound old. You're five years older than me, I think. And I have never heard of that. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, like I know what POV means, but I, I, the, so uh, I don't well, think you sound don't, old. We don't have time to get into it because the, the way that, the way that POV is used on TikTok, uh, is not the, is not actually, uh, it, yeah, we're, we're just not going it, to, it's just like, it's a whole thing, but, uh, like there, I was just saying you maybe don't sound as old as you think you do. But there, there is fan content on TikTok, and that's where a lot of uh, people under the age of 20 are doing their fan fandom interactions. And uh, I mean, there is also there's there's also still Twitter uh, somehow. But uh, yeah, like a lot of that's happening on TikTok. So I feel like this would probably in a way ring true to its target demographic even if like the actual like specifics of the experience are different kind of in a way that like reading fun home is it like rings true to me even though a lot of the references because Bechdel is so much older than me don't quite sure. you know, map onto my experience I feel like it's actually very similar in that way yeah yeah i i yeah it's just yeah it's good to have that perspective on it too because like i i'm so like disconnected from that stuff that i would never know but um yeah alex did you you uh you seem to be pretty familiar with the references did any of it like w was there anything that was lost on you or like did um did I, I i don't no, it, it definitely helped. And I mean, part of it was like, oh my gosh, these things in high school that like I kicked out of my head and like I, I probably watched like two or three of the things, but like of the 10, I knew each one and it was like, oh man. Yeah, it was like, it was like Maya Kobabe was in grad school and then I was in undergrad and then you were in high school. <laughs> but sure all were. experiencing the same time period. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, compared to Fun Home where they were... um referencing a lot like um you know classic works and things that i hadn't read before Literature. uh i vibe i vibe more with like the tumblr stuff that that, that was in this one than like oh yes you ulysses oh yes and i'm like ah oh, supernatural okay i understand <laughs> sam and dean they they, they did a scooby-doo crossover I'm, yeah, I remember they that. Did. yeah but it also helps that this that this read is also just like you said breezier easy breezy 
Yeah. Genderqueer deals with a lot of intimate details of Kobabe's life, as well as uh, some topics that may be uncomfortable to readers, including sex, masturbation, genital dysphoria, and writing fan fiction about real people. To what extent do one. you? To, to what extent do you think? Well, it's at the end of the list because it's the worst. Uh, to what extent do you think a book? <laughs> yeah, I was writing the question. That's what I meant. Like, that's no, the most uncomfortable part of the book. No, I know. Uh, to what extent do you think a book like this benefits from that degree of honesty? I, it's, it's funny because like, I think that like, it's, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that like, that's the reason that it gets targeted so much is because like, it is not like chast whatsoever. Like it is like kind of the like, uh, apotheosis or antithesis, not apotheosis, the antithesis of, uh, like sort of like American wasp culture. Oh yeah. But like, I think that like, I mean, there are parts of this book that are uncomfortable uh, to read. Yeah. Well, for me, at least. I, I, I mean, maybe for other people, it's not. Uh, but like, I, I feel like there's like a lot of value in like being pushed out of your comfort zone, like by a book. Like, like that's the nice thing about books like this existing. I think, right, is that like they do sort of push people out of their comfort zone, and that's why like it's. I think that's why like you have like a lot of like sort of like religious fundamentalists who get so threatened by it. Um is that you know it is so like it, it, it the way that it's like portray- and the way that it's portrayed is so normal and like the the even like the adults in Kobabe's life are like oh yeah that's like i mean there's scenes later on where like there's conflict between M and like their aunt and and their mom or their aunt and their mom and other people but like for the most part like the things that they say throughout the book are like taken at face value and actually respected in a way that like, I think a lot of parents and a lot of like authority figures would just not take seriously because like, you know, they don't take kids seriously when they Tragedy say stuff like porn, that. This is not, it's definitely not. Yeah. Like there is something that's like really, I like it. There's something inspiring about that, that like, Oh yeah. Even like in the nineties, there were, like it, it, it sort of underscores that like at the end of the day, a lot of people are actually really normal about this stuff. Um, and that's probably like more threatening than anything else to sort of like fundamentalist, like Christians who mm-hmm. ban books and stuff, but I don't know. That's just, so I, I, I think that it is like a really valuable part of the book. Um, even if it does like push some readers away or make people uncomfortable while they're reading it. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, like, I, as we said, I don't, there are things that are talked about in this book that I don't know that I, like, if I were writing my own work, I I would maybe approach differently. But I don't say that as a criticism, just sort of like, that's just like i i appreciate the honesty i love it when queer people tell me their secrets with little drawings but uh i you know like i i also think that uh the the amount of honesty does kind of lead an authenticity to uh this experience and i think that especially if you're trying to reach a younger audience like you can't like you can't be lame. <laughs> so you gotta like, you know, like kid, like kids know when you're bullshitting them. So like, I think 
being so honest works in this book's favor because like you know that what you're getting is like like a, a person's actual perspective and not like trying to put on some sort of you know what i mean no no i know exactly what you mean and yeah. and the parts of it that are like i think honestly like this is something that like i have to kind of like think about and be conscious of is that like parts of this book that i'm like oh that's fucking cringe why would you write that like part of that is just like an aversion to like the like openness that like kobabe is willing to demonstrate i'm like you know i I stand by what i said about the the one direction fanfic thing but there's other parts of this book that i would like kind of like recoiled at and had to like take a second and be like oh well like if you're writing something like this, like it's good to be open about that. And in general, it's probably better if people are open about, you know, stuff like that than, than not. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I had to confront, you know, I, 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 I did find it funny that Emily was the one who brought up this book being cringe as the person who always says extremely cringe shit. Like you have to kill the part of yourself that cringes or whatever the fuck you yeah, say I know, every but now look, and then. I, I thought of the I thought of the bit earlier about Republicans banning this for being cringe, and I had to I had to bring it onto the show. Uh, you know, I had to get in my type five. Uh, Al- but Alex, uh, how how do you feel about uh, this? I, I I love the authenticity of it, and to see someone's journey, you know, like discovering their sexuality, just felt so authentic. And it's neat to see someone whose journey is very different than my own, and like you know, obviously still ongoing. Um, I really liked the book and I really liked that there was a lot of information and there it wasn't like, you know, hiding behind like, Oh yeah. And then like, let's not put too much embarrassing stuff in here. And it, it felt really, uh, really authentic. So. Okay. Now, now that we've actually answered the question, John Luke, I want to know about the stuff in this book that made you uncomfortable. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, like, I'm putting I, you on the spot right now. Reading about, like, okay, so I think if I was just reading this book in my free time, like, for my personal pleasure, it wouldn't have made me uncomfortable. Okay. But the whole time I read books for this show, I'm thinking about, like, how I'm going to talk about them. And every time there's a sex scene, I'm like, oh my God, I have to talk about this on a fucking <laughs> podcast with my friends. We have and, not uh, talked about any of this. No, I know, I know, but it's one of those things that is just, like, in my head of, like, I'm going to have to talk about this bit where her girlfriend puts on a strap or, or a put on a strap on and their girlfriend sucks it. I'm like, uh, I mean like fine to put that in there, but I don't want to talk about that on a podcast. Really? Hmm. Me thinks the lady will <laughs> protest too. <laughs> Cause you just brought it up. No, that's you true. asked for examples. No, no you, I, you, and I am. You, yeah, uh, and I think but, it's very funny, but um, I'm not opposed to talking about it. I just think that like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't just, be my first choice. I was just curious as to like the, the uh, because you did mention uh, things in this book, making you uncomfortable. Well, and the fanfic thing, but, <laughs> and Tumblr stuff in general makes me uncomfortable because like I, 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 I've, my brain's been too poisoned by the internet. And anytime I feel like someone's like really into Tumblr, it's like my, my, my fight or flight response kind of triggers, unfortunately. It's anytime you feel like someone is being too genuine. <laughs> yeah, no, actually. Yeah. I'm like, you need to, you need to keep it. Come on. Bury that. <laughs> Bury that. John's like, don't, um, don't you have some humility? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have shame? No. I yeah, it is. 
th- there is an irony in the like sort of you know in, in that side of me and also the part of me that just like thinks that like absolutely despises the like cretins who like ban shit like this and get really pissed off about it but well that's you know. the thing is like like i mean yeah like you're also having a response but you're like a John, this is the only time I'm ever going to say this about you. Normal? You're like a normal fucking person. So your response is not to say, like, the government should make it illegal for people to read this book. You might say, people should not read this book. But, but I actually do think people should read this book. Yeah, yeah, no, I just fair. meant, but yeah, just yeah, meant yeah, no, in yeah. a hypothetical, like, I feel like the strongest you would be is like, this book is cringe, you shouldn't read it. Yeah. Like, the thing is, I am very statist and I do believe that we need some kind of censorship, but not for books like this, more for like the war of jokes and riddles. Hey, 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 hey. Come on. No need no need to throw strays. No, that was good. We're talking about that, that book one. later, don't worry. Oh, we'll no, we we'll pick some good arcs from Tom King's Batman run. Yeah, we're doing a uh, announcement, we're doing a double recording. Uh we're talking about the war of jokes and riddles. Okay. The cool. war of jokes and and the War of Riddles. I didn't read we'll anything, split. so... It's okay, it's okay. We'll fill you in on that. So. Yeah, that'll be good. Good stuff. I don't even remember what I was going to say, because I got so derailed by the War of Jokes and The Riddles. War of Jokes and Riddles! Success! That was the point of the war. It, it wasn't about the war, it was about, you know, getting Batman off his off his mental. Off his thing. Oh, I like so that, that I'm Batman in this scenario. Yeah, so that, he, so that he could then be broken by the Bane later on. You are in many ways the Batman of this podcast. I'd say so. I'm not going to examine that at all. Um, but yeah, I uh, I also, I think this is an important book. I, I'm not going to, like, I definitely didn't love this book. I enjoyed reading it and I found it charming. But, like, just on, like, a pure, like, enjoyment level, I definitely didn't love this book. But I do think it is important and I think that it has a lot of really good information and it's written in a way that is like really perfect for its intended audience, uh, age demographic, and it's also just incredibly silly that like they are trying to ban this book of like all of the books that exist. I will say that I think it's ironically, I think it's important. It's actually kind of predicated on the fact that it has spent so much time in the public's uh, like in the public light. Like if this book had gotten it's like whatever 5,000 copy print run from lion forge. And then like some people read it and liked it or whatever. Like, I don't think it would be that important, but I think, I, I think it is incredibly important now that like people actually read this book to understand, like, cause I think it, it I, like reading this book, like, yes, like there's what you said is true. There's a lot of important, there's a lot of like good information in here. There's a lot of like, you know, a very honest like portrayal of like discovering, like coming, like reckoning with your gender and sexuality that I think will is really good for a lot of people to read. But I think that like, it's harder to like, it's 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 almost like the perfect way to like make a critique of those kinds of politics is by actually like reading stuff like this um and i think that that like kind of lends it an additional layer of importance i would i would still think that this book was important if it hadn't become controversial if i had read it like if I had ended up reading this book, I would still probably think it was important just based on, like, the amount of uh, 
good information that it gets across uh in a like easily digestible way uh but like i i think we're just approaching the idea of this book being important from different perspectives so like that's fine uh for me it's important because i can advance my political agenda (laughs) yeah of course uh well this is for advancing the the gay and the trans agenda so yeah like i think it's a great introductory to to i guess to the topic and i think it's like easily accessible and i think it's like easy to read and stuff like that so um it does it does it does a great job at you know get getting people in the door on it uh which is probably why you know so people are like we should ban this book we can't we can't make it accessible don't read it uh there's Um, just so many books you can ban why uh, come on yeah god uh well, they do ban those too. It's well, like, I mean, dip- you, know, you know, some of them. Yeah, not all. Definitely not all of them. Well, that you know uh, is sort of the the last question we have here. Why do you think this book in particular has faced so much backlash and censorship, especially considering the wave of queer comics that became increasingly popular during the 2010s? I I think it's exactly what we've been talking about how it's like accessible and it's also like the people in the book or the yeah people not characters because uh, because the real and everything it, it's it's just treated as like hey it's not a big deal this is just life and it's it's about figuring that out and I think that that simpleness just like scares scares the you know the kind of people who are trying to ban this book and it's just like so simple that they're like oh god no 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 it has to be like this this complicated weird thing that like doesn't make sense because if it's if it clearly makes sense and like you have people around you who love you and can like you know you can figure it out then that's like it's like a textbook it's like great if it makes sense how can i teach my children to hate it well yeah that's i think that's what it comes down to i feel like i've been you know i didn't mean for this to happen but i feel like we've just kind of been answering this question over the course of it like as we've been talking about the book yeah yeah like it's exactly what what emily said there i think is what makes it so like scary to people i i actually have what i think is this the simplest answer and i'm pretty sure i said this last episode uh but i will say it again i genuinely i think the reason that this book has been so challenged is because it is fucking called genderqueer I think I also said this last episode. I did not say this last episode, just so we're we're keeping track. Like, yes, obviously, like, there is content that I understand uh, just on, like, a literal level why, like, a bunch of fucking idiots might uh, object to it. But the only reason this is on their radar at all is because of the title. There are plenty of queer comics that come and go without even like a, like a whimper among these types of advocate groups. But like, it's just this one, like they can look at this and it draw the, like seeing the name on the spine at their children's school library draws attention or whatever and so like this is how it gets noticed and that's obvious you know like that's not a criticism on kobabe like it's a good title for the book and it's good seo well done it should not be controversial like there there should not be nothing controversial about the term genderqueer but uh fucking assholes want to make it controversial and And i guess like yeah, like yeah. we said, this this book was originally set to sell maybe five thousand copies, 
you know, m- maybe more, maybe less in, in, in its full run. Mm-hmm. And because it's banned, I'm sure Kobabe's making, I, I don't like bank. I don't know if Kobabe's like loaded, but, you know, making money off of this, which is like, in a way is like a nice gotcha because it's like oh like you don't want this to happen yet you're like so, your actions are directly supporting you know the, the, the finance the finances of, of someone who you're like oh you shouldn't exist i mean i paid for this book and the reason i paid for it was because i heard about the controversy so you know, i got it from my local library that has did. four copies well uh four copies i wonder if Jeez. my local library has any copies i should i should see about that i don't use the library a lot because i read comics on my phone but uh i would like to know if they have copies anyway yeah i bet they do i mean this but like this book got and it got like def- a lot of defense from like librarians and like the mm-hmm. ala was like like put out a nice. pretty forceful statement like yeah you know, saying uh, they weren't gonna like remove the book from their shelves uh, uh my wife gwen actually used to work at uh our local library uh for a little while just to, you know just as like a, a i also well i didn't work college. i worked at i worked at my university's library and that's also a part of this book is that kobabe also worked at air university's library yeah. so libraries are a big part of uh libraries are cool folks yeah, yeah cool people work at libraries or used to also, I worked at a library. Cool. And cool so people who <laughs> use their local library. Which that's, so tr- that's so true, so Emily. Cool. Mm-hmm. I did actually, Honestly, I used to use the library a lot when I was in college because I would go print stuff there. But yeah, I, mean, I, gotta, I love my library. If you're a comic book fan, there's, there's no reason you should ever buy a comic book. Don't do it. Don't support the industry. Go to your library. <laughs> if you live account. in my area, there's probably a good deal of manga there because I know I donated a bunch of my old manga to the local library several years ago. So hopefully uh, a lot of it is still there. I have not. Checked. I will say, though, I know you were being sarcastic, Alex, but actually the more interest that there is in people checking out comics from their libraries will lead to libraries oh, expanding yeah. their their comic book selections which mm-hmm. actually does support yeah which then they, right? they pay the fat cats at dc comics a pretty penny for those books oh yeah the yeah the people the, the dc comics people who are rolling in it man yeah dan DeNio, man he's he's rolling big library rolling. out to support dc comics <laughs> yeah yeah big library is in bed with D, with big superhero yeah. that is the end of jokes and riddles big library comes out of the shadows and it's like batman it's good it's good. Comics are good. Yeah, I, I just, you know, you, you could have given this comic any other name and no one would have noticed that it came out at all. Yeah. And I think this was called, I think that's pretty, yeah. If this was called The War of Jokes and Riddles, they wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, nobody, that would, did not, nobody would yeah. have noticed. Or, 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 would have or, said, hey, isn't that the name of another comic? <laughs> yeah, and then they'd be like, wait a minute. And then they'd be like, you're trying to trick everyone. Our kids were just going to read The War of Jokes and Riddles, but, the, but then they read this. It's like, uh, yeah, you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today because they say, <laughs> hey, that's just Blazing Saddles. We already did that one. <laughs> anyway, I um... I love that. Hey, do you guys hear that sound? I do. That's, well. the, that's the sound of the Doomsday Clock. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Uh, it's saying that it's time for our first ever Cry Space. This is a new segment that we are uh, introducing into the show where we highlight something that made us cry this week. So uh, I would I would love to know something that made you guys cry this week. I didn't quite get to tears, but I did actually have a sad moment this week, and people will see this as dated. But uh, 
as it's been in the news lately, but uh, Vice is going under, which yeah. generally, generally very epic that I hate Vice. What a dog shit fucking company. They deserve what they get. Uh, but also, I, I was really bummed to see it because uh, it resulted in my favorite uh, gaming website, Waypoint, being killed. Uh, Waypoint has like been like a like I like the, the the podcast and the and the website were like both really cool projects that highlighted a lot of like cool games I never would have heard of otherwise. And like they wrote about games and talked about games from a like lens that was like pretty unique amongst major publications. And I was really sad to see it uh, get shuttered and, and go away because I don't know what, I don't know where I'm going to go for gaming coverage now. Cause like they killed, like they didn't kill giant bomb, but you know, giant bomb I mean, is like a, they might as well have killed giant bomb giant bomb is like a shambling husk of what it used to be mm-hmm. and you know now waypoint is gone which in a lot of ways felt like the next progression of of giant bomb it, literally in the sense of like a, it was started by giant bomb alums and also like took that ethos around like games reporting and like really expanded on it but I was I, I'm 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 sad that it's gone and I probably will remain sad that it's gone for a long time. Hmm. So probably by the time this comes out I'll be and by the time this comes out I'll actually be extra sad because technically it's not going away until June second, so it'll the, the wound will be fresh again when this episode is coming out because uh they will have just, you know, actually been killed by the horrible <laughs> uh corporation above them. Well, I mean, the, the people who are there will still be alive, presumably. But like the, the, <laughs> we don't know the this. Website, the website will be killed. Wow. Um, and even yeah, more tragic, Jean-Luc will be paying for his subscription because he's a full year uh, of it. So I already paid for my, yeah, I already paid for my Waypoint Plus subscription in March. Oh. Well, renewed in March. Uh, they've said that they're going to try to do what they can to like, you know, at least partially refund people or, or but like at the end of the day, like they're owned by a shitty corporation and don't have that much control over yeah. what over, you know, how much money they're taking from you. <laughs> so, um, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, I don't feel that badly about it because, you know, they said that like the, the, they, they launched like the, the paid subscription thing relative, like within the last two years, I think at the end of 2021 and they've said like that that was the only reason they got like another year year and a half was because like waypoint plus was really successful so i like yeah have no qualms about contributing to that hey, in, in some small in some small way what about you, yeah. alex my glad space is that ign has one less competitor my, <laughs> my, good old, my good old boys and girls um from ign are just you know marching towards the top never stop um it's exciting it's it's good stuff. Um, my cry space is I have not been gaming a lot, and I know some people might think, but Alex, isn't that a happy space that you haven't been gaming that you've been freed from the shackles of, of gaming? Uh, but no, it's just been it's been a lot of work and a lot of things. But then today I was able to play Halo with John Luke, and yes, we did lose, but we also won a little, and that's, that's what matters. We were two and friendship. one. Yeah, we were two and one, but we should have been three and zero. Oh. But we ended on the bad one, which is yeah. what. Yeah. Oh, that's why yeah. you guys were sad when you connected to the call. 
Yeah. It's really stupid. The people we were playing against were fucking okay. Crazy. You guys we had the lead. Sad. I'm not we joking. had we, we had the lead. It, it was a gun game mode, so like you know you shoot your guns and then you you get in a certain amount of kills, you get the next gun. And we were on to the final one, which is a skull. And these guys had guns and they were behind us, but they were just standing in the flipping corner and we couldn't even get to them because they would just shoot us because we all we had was skulls. And it's like, bro, come on, we have to get to this podcast we're going to. We can't wait around. And then we we died. We died. It was that's uh... okay. Yeah, okay. they were clearly fucking forest stacking in pubs and like doing like HCS style setups and shit. And it's like, what? Are, go play ranked. What? You fucking you, yeah, come on. Don't you have something better to do with your life on a fucking Wednesday night? Oh it's I do. It's called recording is... this podcast. I got a podcast going on. Come on. Yeah, I got a podcast in five minutes. Can we get this over with? My brain is I a... so smooth. I didn't understand half those words. Emily, what's your cry space? My cry space is that I still have not watched um any of riverdale that is airing right now oh man it would have been perfect if you had because the latest episode deals with the banning of comic books oh ha! that would have been uh relevant oops oh well uh no i uh alex is already aware of this because i recorded another podcast with alex recently but um i have been uh fully immersed in uh a whole of it's always sunny in philadelphia i have watched seasons uh five i watched seasons five through ten in like five days and oh my hero i am uh i'm on pace to be caught up to season through season 15 by the time season 16 starts airing in june which we are recording much earlier. There was an then. episode of Always Sunny that made me tear up. Please tell me about it. No, it's coming up. You'll see oh, okay. it. Oh, and, it, and maybe you won't like it. It's in what? Wait, which season? I'm in fourteen or fifteen now. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, so it's a bit farther. Yeah, it was just I don't know. Not, I, mean, not I thought the you had a previous season. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, I'm excited, but I do, I, I do quite enjoy this. And in the spirit of Maya Kobabe, I will say that um, if Mac and Dennis do not kiss in season 16, we riot. <laughs> I've been, Look, it's been long enough. They've been common law married for years. Get it over with. Glenn Howarden, stop being a coward. <laughs> I didn't understand. Now it's my turn to not understand what someone on this podcast is talking about. So. I mean, I want two guys to kiss. Like, what's hard to understand uh, about that? We all, we all had a moment. Earlier, it was the uh, Jean-Luc-Emily succession hour. Then it was the Alex and Jean-Luc halo hour. And then it was the Alex and Emily. Um, Sunny hour. Did you do a hour. podcast about Curb Your Enthusiasm? Or was this no, just no. the second no. episode? No, well, we were just uh, talking we're about, talking about We're talking about It's Always Sunny. But, uh... We, no, oh, it, it, I said, oh my god, I do, <laughs> I don't, I can't remember, I do get those shows confused all the time, so I, I'm no, sorry. No, we recorded an episode of uh, That Looks Terrible, uh, the part two of the Velma discussion, and which I was had, better than part one. I had also been watching It's Always Sunny when we had to, to record that, so I complained about having to watch Velma. I would complain about that too, to be honest. It's not good. Eh, watch the episode. Listen to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Go listen to the podcast yeah, whenever it eventually comes out. But uh, it's it's not out by the time this episode. Oh is God, out. I can God, say no. that. God no, 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 no. It's like episode eleven. Yeah, and, and so far one. there's ep- there's one. Yes. Well, but, there's one point. There's one and a half. Yeah, but but another is uh, another is coming out soon. Let's go right around yeah. the corner. 
So uh, I'm excited. I loved listening to four hours of talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I realize it sounds sarcastic when I say that, but I actually did love that. I was gonna say you. That sounded like you didn't love it. Actually, I quite enjoyed my time. Yeah, That's I thought good. it was fun. Um, oh, I yeah, it was a good. It was I, a, I've a never seen though. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I have listened to that episode. So I was involved in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Okay, and that's the show for this week. <laughs> We're going to talk about this offline. He got better. Uh, <laughs> I got better. If you would like to follow us on the internet. At some point, sorry, last gonna, thing on the Texas yeah, Chainsaw no, Massacre thing. At some point, now that the comic is out, we have to do Claudio Sanchez's side projects, The Prize like Fighter Inferno. Oh, yeah. Uh, My Brother's Blood Machine. Because it is heavily inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I, I, I think that we we need to we need no, to talk I, about no, it. I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I was already down. You didn't even have to ask. Uh, I could even probably get Alice on that too if you want. <laughs> Alex, if you want to tap out for that one again, I'll uh, I'll tap out at the last minute. Okay, I think sounds I will good. Do that. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, if you would like to follow us on the internet, you can do that at Crying Book Club on Twitter. It would be so great of you if you uh, rated and reviewed us five stars on your podcast platform of choice. John Luke Botville can be found on Twitter at Mountain Dew Liker and Letterboxd at JL Botville. Alex can be found on Twitter at Alex Hansiak. I can be found on Twitter at M Pandanata and Letterboxd and Twitch at uh, Panda Boar. And on the podcast, Imagine Me and Yuchina, the Fresh Podcast Market, and that looks terrible. And what are we, what is next episode? Do we, does anybody remember? Oh, yes. Next episode, the seminal work by none other than our good friend, our brethren, 